Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Some nights you just see things. Gus, you know, some nights we're so embedded in college basketball. We live it. We love it. You have notebooks. You have lines. I'm here praising Bill Self, hating Bill Self, but we're so embedded. Sometimes there's a ba- night. Ba- vacillating at best. <laughs> it's, it's the Big Self. They're going to win the Big 12. He, the Kansas best team in the Big 12. I'm done. But uh, <laughs> tonight, Gus, was a night where everything was just so clear. It was just so clear to me. I don't know about you, but these games went exactly the way I thought they were, and there were some big upsets, weren't they? You know what? Yeah, I think both of us, you know, uh, again, uh, welcome to the Screen and Screener College Basketball Podcast. We're so happy to have you guys tune in and carve out some time during your week for us. Uh, we hope that we help put the college basketball season together for you, and uh, thank you for giving us a little time during your week. But you're right, Mike. I have to tell you, the a couple of these games that we had our eyes on, and we paid attention to the lines. And we, you know, this one might go this way. I, I, I think we were on a couple of those. So, do you want to talk about a couple of those right off the bat, right here? Yeah. Can I, can I talk about sometimes the uh, greatest uh, hits are the ones you don't take? So, one of the ones. Oh, I, oh yeah. Please, one of the please. ones I looked at was Alabama Auburn. Right. Auburn on fire. Fourteen wins in a row. Big rivalry. Right. Right. And how could you not? Like, I, I think if you're, well, that that game has appeal now because you have the. Sexton Petty appeal of Alabama, and you have now like the ranked number next to Auburn, and that makes total sense. Totally into it. And I looked at it, and I think it was uh, Auburn by one or two, and I saw something, a great game. And then right before the game, and I did not see this right away, right before the game, there came out a report that Colin Sexton was going to miss this game, Gus, with an abdominal strain. So I'm like, oh, I would have loved to, you know, hypothetically, you know, if gambling was legal, invest in that game. Line jumped to six. Gus. Isn't that interesting? It jumped to six. Yeah. And sure enough, Alabama wins without Colin Sexton at home. John Petty is on fire. I think he was eight of 13 from three point range. One other thing, man, can you explain why John Petty is 56% from the foul line? Zero idea. <laughs> I thought the exact that? same thing. I mean, we've heard I, of that, I have right? No idea. He might be shooting within 10% 100%. of that from three. <laughs> Certainly in these big games, 56% is, is low. My partner, do you want to guess how many free throw attempts he's had this year, though? This is fascinating. How many free throw attempts do you think that John Petty's taken this year? Oh, man. You know what? I They are what? They're, they played probably 17 or 18 games. Right. Guessing he's taken twenty five foul shots. Yeah, good job, twenty three. He's taken twenty three. So, right, so <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. the percentage, you know, low, low uh, number, low, va- you know, high variance. But uh, I thought that was fascinating. But big win for Alabama, Gus. Huge win for Alabama there against Auburn. Auburn, listen, tough loss, no problem. You know, they, they were on fourteen game winning streak, but big win for Alabama. They 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 were coming in the game. You know, Bama had lost back to back road games at Vandy at Georgia, but then they won those two games, South Carolina and LSU. Now they're four and two in the SEC. Big win for him, and Auburn will reload, but Alabama, this is impressive because with no Colin Sexton, great win. 
Oh, without your best player, absolutely. I mean, imagine if we just remove the best player from other teams and are they going to have that much success at home? Imagine if we remove Trayvon Blewett from Xavier. Imagine if we remove uh, Foster from Creighton. Imagine if we remove, you know, Trey Young from Oklahoma. That's an extreme example. But you get my point. That's not really the tenable situation that you're looking for if you're that team. So I'm going to say really great coaching job by Coach Johnson. And sometimes in conference – these te- these games happen where you have a te- a road team coming in ranked riding a good winning streak against a, not a necessarily a desperate team but maybe a team that has some adversity and I, I think that's exactly the script that played out in this game 100% and Gus going over the most valuable players there in indirectly giving a pump to the short quarter this week I, I expanded on our podcast on those most valuable players you did college oh. basketball feud you did very well you got them all but one okay but it's, uh, uh, I, I, again very disappointed I get Nick King <laughs> from Middle Tennessee State you you want like again, I do the mid-major podcast. You want to nail the mid-major guys? I'm, I'm a little disappointed I nailed that guy, but it, it was a, it was great fun. Thank you, listeners, for listening in, and it, it was it was fun putting it together. So thank you, Mike, for creating the list and the short corner, the fantastic stats that back what you are saying, unbelievably legitimate. Yeah, folks, check, listen, check it out, RandallRant.com, screen the screener right, right on the front there. We've got the podcast, the short corner, the new blog comes out, it'll be on the front page there. We love it. I look at box scores for fun. That's what I do. Uh, my, my wife has not left me yet. My two kids <laughs> think it's funny. It's what I do. Gus has notebooks filled with players that no one's ever heard of, and I sit here and analyze box scores. So most valuable players, I put it out there, take a look at it. Next one I want to go to, partner, I'm going to call these teams the all taking care of business teams because there aren't many this year that are taking care of business. Number one is taking care of business, man, is Purdue. Purdue is taking care of business. They don't keep games close. They had a home game against Wisconsin. You put it out, man, about that line. Yep. Dominant. Dominant. I was out last night watching a high school basketball game, getting updates, checking my phone. Purdue takes care of business, partner. They are looking like the best team in the country right now. And you're not the only person that has said that. I mean, there have been multiple other like respected basketball, college basketball personalities that have stated that exact thing that they think Purdue currently right now in the middle of January is the best team in college basketball. So how did they get here? Right. How did this happen? How did this how did this team uh, in, in the Big Ten uh, magically become the best team in basketball? The, the first answer that you look for is really simple, Mike. Look at their starting lineup and look at the number of games that these guys have played together. The number of games that these guys have played together is absolutely insane. We are talking with juniors and seniors that have played over 60 games. And then you could argue, I know he wasn't on, he didn't make the feud and he wasn't on your uh, list of most valuable players. But you can say, arguably, their best player, Carson Edwards, point guard, sophomore, you know, he had all that experience from the summer playing in the World University Games. So nobody on this team is inexperienced. And when you look to March, like sometimes that's a nice thing to lean on. When you know you have seniors that you can count on and you know you're not going to have the volati- volatility of uh, uh, freshmen blowing a, a, a failed defensive coverage or running uh, the, the wrong cross screen. Like th- that has to be such a luxury for Coach Painter. All true. We'll come back to Purdue a little bit later. I'll have some fun yeah. with you on that one. Another member of the all-taking-care business team, the Villanova Wildcats, who tonight went on the road to Georgetown and put that puppy away early in an absolute Ooh. dominant performance. 
Partner, they've only lost one game this year. That was at Butler. We've talked about that one extensively. Tonight, they have six guys in double figures. Some of the bench guys actually got to play for a little bit. Dominant performance, 88-56 to over Georgetown. You kind of saw this coming. I think if you are paying attention to things, teams like Purdue, teams like Villanova, you know, tonight maybe, uh, you know, we're, we're recording while they're playing, but teams like Xavier, these teams take care of business in the games that they're supposed to win. Obviously, Villanova is supposed to win this game against, you know, a lesser than, I, I don't know, a bottom five Big East team, just to be kind, in Georgetown. And, you know, they only have one player that could possibly match up with anybody on Villanova in Jesse Govan, and he played very well. But, yeah, only, Villanova. Yeah, only, guy in, only guy in doubles for Georgetown tonight was Govan. Only guy in doubles? There you go. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Nova, I don't think there's any way they can get away from getting a number one seed right now unless they go on an unbelievable slide in the wrong direction in the Big East. But, so, I'm with you on taking care of business with Nova. They're, they're so impressive. And the, if they keep getting healthier, look out. A lot of teams aren't doing it, and we got to praise the ones that are. Absolutely. A couple of the quick hitters from tonight, SMU, Wichita State. The Interesting. Mustangs coming off a three-game losing streak, defending American Athletic Conference regular season and tournament champions. Shake Milton, your guy, preseason player of the year. Sky is falling down in SMU. Lose at home to Temple, who, by the way, is maddening, right? Temple wins at SMU. Then loses at home to Memphis and beats Tulsa at home tonight by one. I mean, that is – remember going back to the last podcast, I said, what are the teams you don't want to bet on? I have no interest in betting on Temple. The <laughs> right. They, they, have to be, they have to be leading that category for sure. And what I say, the only team this year that's beaten uh, – well, not anymore because North Carolina beat was Clemson and Auburn. <laughs> <once> <laughs> Temple right. Yeah, right. SMU went up tonight, Gus, 13-10, to 10, never looked back. Had a three-game losing streak, very concerned. Lost at Tulane, at Cincinnati, home Temple. But they, they show up tonight against Wichita State. It was funny. Wichita State was favored by eight and a half, Gus. For Jankovic and SMU to lose four in a row, you got to put a knife in their heart. And they came up with a huge win on the road tonight against Wichita State. One of the things that gets ignored with SMU and that we talk about with other teams, like we'll talk about with Kentucky, like we've talked about with Nevada, is this positionless basketball. And SMU is a little bit ahead of the curve on this. Yep. And they continue to play that way, right? Your guy, uh, Amelgu, had an unbelievable of a couple of three-pointers there that really gave them the distance they needed to hold uh, Wichita State off. And again, we've talked about Shake Milton on the podcast a number of different times. I named him as the the player of the year in the conference, and he did nothing but he did nothing to disprove that this this evening with 33 points against another like all-American-ish type guard in Landry Shamit, who also had a double-double and had a great game himself. So he showed out big time. And by the way, Shake Milton launched it from deep a couple times and hit five three-pointers in this game. He he definitely came out to play and wanted to show like, hey, I know everybody's talking about Landry Shamit, but don't forget about me. 33 points for, for Milton, played big. And Melgo only had 10, actually. When Melgo scores, really? yeah, scores 12, they're just big shots, though. But when he scores 12 more, they're 7-0. But this was a great win. Imagine you scored 12. They would have won by 20. <laughs> Huge win for the Mustangs Funny. on the road. And listen, I'm not concerned about Wichita State, but we can get that a little bit later. I just think this was a, they were overlooking a team coming and losing three in a row, but heart of a champion there. You know that they're going to play tough. Next one, on what planet should Iowa be favored on the road? <laughs> uh, I just need to know that. Favored by one at Rutgers? Uh, no, I don't think so. Did this seem too easy or what? 
I, I did. I, I, you know, you sit there and go with some, you know, because we had the whole issue with Florida State with Terrence. Right, Mann. right. I'm like, I'm like is, is Corey Sanders not playing? You know, you're a little thrown off. But or, or is Steve 86. Peichel has the flu and doesn't coach? Yeah, well done. Well, touche. Very good. Rutgers wins 8-64. Peichel doing a great job. Rutgers just got an extension. Corey Sanders with 18. Iowa can't be favored on the road, guys. Uh, no, never. I mean, that seemed way too easy to take. I hope a bunch of people, if betting was legal, made a lot of money on that game. <laughs> A couple other ones. Texas with a great win at home against Texas Tech. This one I had no feel for because I think Texas Tech is the real deal. But Texas is going to get fired up for the rivalry. Wasn't sure how this one was going to go. Mo Bamba with a great double-double, 15-11. and 11. Big win. Shock is doing nice things down there. The whole loss of Andrew Jones, of course. That's a very sad situation. They're rallying around him. But this is since that situation, the team has really stepped forward. Kerwin Roach had 20 points, 8-9 from the free throw line, two threes tonight. Love Dylan Osikowski. Uh, Osikowski I, I, is a real difference maker. You know what? You know what he is. He's Adam Morrison light. Yeah, very good, very good. I, I just love the guy. He plays his guts out. Twelve points, uh, five rebounds. Bamba uh, only five blocks tonight. A bad game for him. Fifteen and eleven. So big win. Texas Tech. What they did against Texas Tech is they limited Keenan Evans. He only had eleven. Yep. He was three of eight from the field. A uh, huge win for Shaka. Well, uh, just just here's my two cents on that game. Number one, Roche came back from injury, which was a gigantic get for Texas. That meant that they could act, actually match up athletically with Keenan Evans in the backcourt. So Roche and Evans actually are a decent match athletically. So it's not like Evans could go off against Roche because Roche is kind of a little bit of an athletic freak, and he showed that tonight. And it seems like not only is the Andrew Jones health situation – fortifying Texas, it seems like a bunch of other programs, especially in the conference, are getting behind this as well. And you know what? Kudos. I'm glad that so many people are taking note of this and taking and, and, and you know, uh, hashtag be the match. And, and people are trying to find solutions to the problem. And if it takes a college basketball player falling ill to, to make people start the conversation, then I'm all for that, by the way. But yeah, you know what? And Texas Tech, I think, falls into the same same category as Wichita State here. You're going to run into one of these tough games against another team that needs a win or is inspired somehow. And I think Texas Tech ran into Texas tonight, and that's exactly what happened. Two more quick ones for you. First, sad news. TCU guard Jalen Fisher mm-hmm. out indefinitely with a right knee injury occurred in practice. TCU rallying around him tonight, blowing out. Iowa State right now, three minutes left, 89-71. But he was really the heart and soul of that team. I'm not sure how they're going to do with Robinson at the point, but that's a huge loss for a TCU team that's really trying to find its way. Tonight looks like us. They'll go to 2-4 and in the Big 12. It's interesting because we just talked about how a team in the same conference suffered a – I'm going to say a parallel player on their team, uh, a loss. Like if Texas loses Andrews Jones, I think that's similar to TCU losing Fisher. Like So, you're, good, so yeah. you're interested to see how they're going to respond to that. Are they going to respond in the manner that Texas has and really fortify and, and, and rally around this? Or are they going to go the other way and it's going to take a couple of games for them to adjust with Robinson taking some of those minutes in the backcourt, maybe they swing Kendrick Williams back there. I don't know. Uh, we'll see what Coach Dixon decides to do. But, yeah, you're intrigued to see what TCU does with this moving forward and how long this injury is going to last. One more thing I want to get from your partner. How about a prediction tonight? Let's go way out west here. Yeah. we got Stanford. Stanford is on fire. Yeah. They After losing to California at home, which is uh, unforgivable. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. They then come back and beat UCLA in a massive game, two-overtime game. 
Then they beat USC at home by one point. Huge back-to-back wins there for Stanford. They go on the road at Washington State. Road games will take them in conference with a win. They go on the road at Washington against his own with Mike Hopkins, and they win. And tonight they're hosting Arizona State. Arizona State of the now we only play close games ever since we lost to Arizona routine. They go to Colorado and they lose. They go to Utah and they barely win. They come home against Oregon, they lose. They come home against Oregon State and they barely win by two. Who do you like in this one, Gus? Going out there, Stanford, Reed Travis, hosting tonight, Arizona State. I, I, number one, let's take a look at the over on that game. Number two, I, I would lean towards the over. Number two, I don't know if Arizona State has the bigs that can deal with the Stanford bigs. I, I, I'm not sure. You, so you want to see which team uh, kind of you know forces their will on the game. Is it going to be the Arizona State backcourt or is it going to be the Stanford bigs? Uh I'm going to lean Arizona backcourt here. I think that they're going to get a little too elusive. I think they're a little too athletic for Stanford in the backcourt, and I think they go off. So give me Arizona State, but high-scoring game, take the over. Let me throw you one more because it just ended. Seton Hall going out to play Creighton. Seton Hall, we've talked, Gus, does not have a big bench. Mm -hmm. They play defense, but they can't really get in foul trouble. They only had five fouls in the first quarter. They can't extend themselves. That's a death sentence against Creighton and Creighton because they're going to put up points. You have to control tempo there. Tempo there. Seton Hall could not do it tonight. Creighton was on fire. They were up early, huge, and they got into foul trouble. It's like every starter had two fouls at the end of the first half. Right. But then after that, they took over. They just won, beat Seton Hall 80-63. to Nice bounce back win for Creighton that lost a game there on the road at Xavier. Yeah, here, here's, here's what I'm going to say. We were trading texts with our friend, from Seton Hall, who's a former student athlete at Seton Hall. Good friend, Paul. Right. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about the game because he always wants to have our input on the game. And the thing I didn't text that was in my mind, I was going to text, it really depends on how they're going to call the game. Because if Angel Delgado got in foul trouble or, 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 or something along those lines, I felt like that would really limit them. And lo and behold, that's what happened. I, I wish I sent that text to you guys so I look really smart right now, but I'll, I'll say it on the podcast. And sometimes it's going to happen on the road. You're going to get like a home whistle yeah. where you get those two or three calls. You know, not like a landslide of calls, but two or three that are going to hamper you and really limit you uh, as the road team. And I, that's exactly what happened to Seton Hall, and they couldn't adjust to it. Thank goodness Powell like, did something and kept them in the game because it seems like the rest of the four horsemen just didn't show up and, 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 and couldn't show up because they were on the floor due to foul trouble. Yeah, Desi had two fouls in the first half. They took him out right away. Willard sat him for a long period of yeah. time. He was the only one in foul trouble. They only had five fouls, so that's three fouls for the rest of the team right. at the half. What happened is to start the second half, Creighton came out on fire. Delgado got him over the back. He got an illegal screen call. Did you, then did he you, got, did you he see got the, the Thomas follow-up dunk, by the way? Uh, I did, yes, I believe that, I that did. That was unbelievable. <laughs> I do, yes. he, he's he tends, putting together he do like a, a ridiculous like slideshow of dunks this season. Yeah, if they don't make the final four, can he be in that dunk contest I, that goes on there? Yeah, I, yeah, I see him in that. Yeah, yeah. This was a, this was a tough one. I think Seton Hall had the, the schematic, but they need to take control in the second half. And then I think Miles Powell twisted his ankle, something. He had two three starts second half, so just a bad matchup. You have to control tempo in Creighton, and if you don't do that, you're going to lose. Seton Hall still really good, no problem, but nice win for Creighton. How about we throw this into the Wichita State and Texas Tech hamster wheel and say, yeah, like, sure. look, this is what's going to happen in a really tough league. And we just mentioned, like, you know, I, I know the AAC isn't like, you know, a knock them down, a slobber knocker type league. But when you have SMU and Wichita State together and maybe throw, I don't know, uh, 
not UConn, but who who else are we? Maybe Houston in that situation. That that that's like a that's a tough situation. So I think all three of those games: the Wichita State game against SMU, the Texas game against Texas Tech, and the Seton Hall game against Creighton. Like you're gonna run into some of these games in conferences that are really tough. Totally agree. And so Gus, now I got something for you. Okay. Going to do a going to do a little devil's advocate here for you. A little devil's advocate. So I took three storylines mm-hmm. right now, three dominant storylines in college basketball. I'm going to argue the contrarian point. All right. I'm going to I'm going to build an argument here, like you're a judge. Okay. okay. I'm an attorney. I'm going to build the argument against the popular belief, and then feel free to respond. Tell me if you agree, disagree, why I'm wrong, why I'm right. The whole thing. Three dominant arguments here. A little devil's advocate for you here. All right. You ready, partner? I, I'm ready. I'm not feeling very evil, but I'm ready to play devil's advocate. Devil, I'll be the evil, as, as always. We all play you, our parts. Uh, tonight we'll play be, that part. That sounds fine. You, you be the judge. Okay. Here we okay. Go. Here we go. Uh, if it pleases the court, I'd like to uh, put forth the following argument. The Purdue Boilermakers are 18 and 2. Here's my question. Who have they beaten? They beat two ranked teams earlier this year who were shorthanded. Arizona certainly was, mm-hmm. right? No Rolly Hawkins. And everybody was beating them left and right. They lost three in a row. And then they beat a ranked Louisville team, which we realize should not have been ranked and certainly is not at that level right now. And proving that if you don't have Rick Pitino, right, you're not a top 25 program. They won on the road at Michigan. Kudos to them. Certainly won't take that away from them. But you yourself did not think Michigan was a top three Big Ten team at the beginning of the season. And now they are pretty much in one of the poorest Big Five, Power Five conferences, if not the worst, right. in terms of top to bottom depth. Joe Lenardi only has his has five Big Ten teams, Gus, in the latest bracketology. That makes sense. Purdue's, Purdue's a one, Michigan State's a three, Michigan's a six, Ohio State's a six, Maryland's an 11. They only play right now three ranked teams the rest of their schedule. They're going to host Michigan in about a week and a half. They're going to host Ohio State, and then they're going to go to Michigan State in February. I'm not sure if Matt Painter can be trusted in a big spot. I'm going to throw this one at you. I think Purdue, while right now, is certainly worthy of being the top one or two team in the country. Mm -hmm. I think they're a little overrated. I think they're peaking way too early. And I think they're primed for a late season slide or upset in the NCAA tournament. I step down for your response. Wow. That's actually an unbelievable uh, start to Devil's Advocate. Wow. You really have your facts straight. Well done to the research staff. Okay. So I'm going to play a little bit of both sides. Number one, they're good. They're good for a number of different reasons. Here are the three top reasons why they're good. Number one, the college landscape has changed dramatically over the last two or three years and has become very reliant on the three point sh- on the three point shot. There are very few teams. There are a legitimately a handful of teams in the country that shoot the ball better from three than Purdue does with that many attempts. So that's number one. Is that going to travel into a dome and on the road and all of those things that that that's up for debate. But the facts are the facts. We have a large sample size. Purdue is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Fact two, you need a required big. I harped all summer and all last year that you need your required big to make this March Madness run and to make it deep into the tournament. They have not one but two required bigs. 
one of the required bigs, was one of your highly valued players on your own short corner with Isaac Haas. And they have a defensive difference maker in uh, Harms coming off the bench as their second big. And if you were paying attention in that uh, Wisconsin game, they actually goofed around and tried playing both of them together for a couple of minutes just to see if that could work out down the road. So they're beating people so much that they can goof around with their lineups right now. And number three, we touched on on the start of the podcast, the veteran uh, experience factor that they have. There are so few power conference teams that have the experience that they do because they do not recruit. They are very Villanova-like in this regard. They are not recruiting the one-and-done player. I know Biggie left early last year, uh, and rightly so. He should have. He should have gone. He was arguably the player of the year last year. I don't know what you're going to do as an encore if you're him coming back for your senior year. So great move by Biggie, leaving early and getting his checks and getting an NBA payroll. But they have an unbelievable amount of experience on this roster. So my three things of why Purdue are going is not going to experience this March swoon or, or this losing streak or get upset is because a, they shoot the ball unbelievably well in a, in a landscape that relies on the three heavily Two, they have the required bigs to make differences inside and make you think and call timeouts, just like John Beeline did in that Michigan game. And number three, they are experienced. They are not going to get like outwitted or, or overwhelmed by any experience. So there is your retort for your first devil's advocate, Mike Randall. That's the reason I can't be a lawyer. I agree with everything you just said. I did not. I did not. I did not <laughs> believe. Great. I did not believe that argument. You, you, so many great points you said. I could talk for an hour about it. Harm's point is could, fantastic. Okay, just, just so, a little aside here. Could we do a whole podcast on Purdue? Let's do it. <laughs> okay. I'm the prodigal son. Call me the Purdue prodigal son. Okay, I'm coming back here realizing my error in my ways. They are fourth in the country, three-point percentage, 42%, 470 attempts, so they're shooting a ton. They're going to make them. Haas has been great, as I said. I put in my short corner. Harm's great call, 100%. Gus, everybody's losing everybody right now. So we can't punish them for beating the teams on their schedule because most teams are not doing right. that. So that's it. They're good. Enough said. Gonzaga didn't play a litany of uh, ranked teams last year, and they went to the finals and pretty much should have won the game. So totally agree with you. I was just playing devil's advocate. I do not buy that one. I'm in with you. I'm pretty okay. Good. Very good. And and last thing, um, even though uh, they're they're very, uh, I'm going to say they're very John Petty. You wonder why they don't shoot like higher than they do from the free throw line as a team. I think they shoot at like 75 percent ish, um, but you you wonder why that number isn't a little closer to 80, right? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You know what's odd is I saw they're shooting 75%, and I'm like, that's pretty high, okay? It's only 62nd in the country, but I think that's pretty high, man. Uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah. 70, I, I don't think you're going to argue at 75%. I'm with you. Right, like, but I agree with you. You would think they would be better, but to me, 75% is certainly good enough. For sure. Second, second devil's advocate for your partner, your honor – Tomorrow night is a very important game on the Screen the Screener podcast. We talked about it last year. It's been mentioned. There's a lot of love-hate relationships going on here with the hosts. St. Mary's going to win at Gonzaga tomorrow night, Your Honor. St. Mary's is 17-2. and two. Oh, boy. They, they've won 12 games in a row. For the first time in this matchup, in a very long time, they're going to have the best player on the floor in Jock Landell. Mm. 21.7 points, 10.3 rebounds. 65% from the field, 75% free throw shooter. He has only fouled out of two games this year. There's a host of this podcast who calls him Hackman, but he's only fouled out of two games this year. 
In his last eight games, Your Honor, he's only gotten three fouls once. They won back-to-back road games, so they can play Santa Clara at Pepperdine. They also already won at BYU, which is probably the other tough road game in the conference in overtime. And in that game, Landell had 31 points. Mm -hmm. There's no Shemek Karnowski this year to guard him. There's no Zach Collins. Gonzaga's already shown some warts. Jonathan Williams didn't have a rebound against Villanova. Uh, they lo- they got upset at San Diego State. On February 20th, 2016, just less than two short years ago, the Gales did win in Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. So they have experience doing it. They are not shooting it well from three. Only 37% for the Zags from three. That's 91st in the country. No one outside of St. Mary's is going to pick them to win this game. So throw in the nobody believes in us theory. Your Honor, St. Mary's will upset Gonzaga tomorrow night. Respond, please. Wow. That's fantastic. That is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I cannot you're, believe... You're, you're buying it? You're buying it? No, 0%. <laughs> Neither no. am I. <laughs> no chance. Okay. No way. Your, your Honor, please hear the retort. <laughs> Number one. God, did I said that I did for a second. Did you believe me? For a second. Look, look. look. The, the argument is sound. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not debating the stats and the, like, like the, the, the evidence that you're presenting. Uh, well done to your re- research team again. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Ruri Hashimura. <laughs> we'll, we'll, Go ahead. I'm we'll sorry. Him in a second. Sorry. I'm in contempt. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> Carry on. All right. So here, here's the retort. Uh, uh, we'll go four uh, segments here for the retort. Number one, Jonathan Williams is going to be the difference. You mentioned that Jonathan Williams was a no-show. You mentioned his no-show against um, Villanova. Guess what? He is going to be the difference maker here. The reason he's going to be the difference maker here is because St. Mary's has nobody to match up with him. They're going to try to throw Hermanson on him or somebody else, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to do that turnaround, uh, off-shoulder, like jump hook thing that he does down there over and over again. He's going to get somebody in foul trouble. Then they're going to have to put the backup on him. And then, you know what? Boom, he's going to have 12 at halftime, and he's going to be the problem that they're going to need to solve in the second half. Justin Williams is going to set the tone early, and I think that he's going to go off for a big 20-point game here. Maybe not go off for like the 39 he went off against Florida, but I think he'll have an impactful game for sure. Number two, the guards that, uh, the guards that Gonzaga are going to put out there are longer, more athletic, and can shoot the ball just good enough on the perimeter to give both Neal and Narr and Hermanson and whoever else they're going to throw out there trouble on the perimeter. I'm not saying that Perkins or Melson is going to go off and go bananas, but I am saying that they are going to give them fits on the defensive end and limit them to get into their offense. So I think they'll have a bigger impact on the defensive end this game than on the offensive end. Point three. Back to the offensive end. You said no Shemek, right? Yeah, no Shemek, no problem. Killian Tilly's going to give Jacques Landell some issues. Jakob Larson is going to give him some issues. And then the third person that's going to give him some issues is at some point, he's going to be matched up with Rui Hachimura. And you know what Rui Hachimura is going to do? He's going to make him look silly. Rui Hachimura is one of the most underrated players in the country, and he is about to go off. And I think that this could be one of those games where he has like two or three of those like, whoa, that just happened highlights. And one of those might be against Landell. Uh, Fourth thing, I think that this Gonzaga team is in the perfect situation of like kind of flying under the radar after last year's like absolute bright 
spotlight that they had all season. So I think they like being under the radar a little bit. I think they're going to enjoy this. I think they're really going to take advantage of this game and not have like an undefeated streak riding on this or or something of that nature. They already have a couple losses out of the way. So those are my four points. And I think Rui Hachimura is going to have one of those, whoa, eye-popping highlights. And I bet Jonathan Williams goes back to being his former self and has an impactful game, especially from the start. Gonzaga by 15. There's nothing I'm not going to (laughs) say. Listen, if they're not going to win last year at home, I don't see them winning on the road. Everything you said, of course, is totally right. I agree with you. I could not make this argument and believe it in my heart. I just can't see it. On what basis, Gus, is tomorrow night, 30 minutes in, Jock Landau's not having two fouls? I don't know. On what basis? You know what? We didn't bring up either in my retort. (laughs) I I left this out just to ask you, like, off the cuff here. Who do you think is going to have a bigger impact? Do you think... Norvell is going to go off, like Zach Norvell Jr., or do you think Kispert's going to go off? Which one of those like X-Factor guys is going to be the guy that hits like a couple of threes and, and makes some driving layups and some open lanes? Like, Which one of those two do you think is going to go off? Norvell, I've seen the flammableness with yeah, him. Yeah, good point. You know, yeah. and, you know, but, you know, again, St. Mary's not deep, okay? So they're not going to come out, and this isn't going to be like an 8-4 to four game at the, at the, you know, the 12-minute mark, no. all right? No. So... If they're trying to take away anybody, they're not trying to take away Norvell. He's going to get wide open shots. He's going to hit him at home in the kennel. Uh, Good night. That's it. Totally with you on that. I think that's what's going to happen. I can't wait to watch the game. Hashtag basketball narcolepsy. Uh, I'm totally looking forward to it. I love that you took the devil's advocate side there, but I I, I don't think the devil's coming out on top on this. No, no, absolutely not. And I got one last one. Okay, yeah. Your Honor, everyone thinks the Kentucky Wildcats are in trouble. John Calipari has challenged his team to get tougher after the loss of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He said his team last night had unwanted arrogance after losing to South Carolina. Wow. The point guard situation, a little messy. Quade Green still out. They couldn't stop Chris Silva, who is not an offensive stalwart in terms of veritable post moves. However, a right? physical stalwart. Well, certainly, yeah. I mean, he's he's you know he's as tough as they come. Frank Martin finally figured out what you got to do with Gilgis Alexander. He's going to drive to the basket like a maniac, just collapse on him. You'll take a bunch of charges. That that limited him. I think he had six points. Kevin Knox is feast or famine, and he's one of ten your honor from three point range in the last two games. Tough. Jared Vanderbilt did look impressive in his return, but the book right now is saying that Kentucky's in trouble. I'm making the argument that Kentucky is not in trouble and that everything is fine. Let's look at the positives. They're still a developing team and they've struggled so far this year, but they're only four. They're still 14 and four. They've only lost four games. Mm-hmm. Jared Vanderbilt did look very impressive. He could be the missing link. He could be the real five star player on this team of the 38 stars that they have. <laughs> He only played, Your Honor, 14 minutes. He had six points, five rebounds, three assists. He's doing it all for them, and that's the guy they were missing. They've won against Georgia. They've won on the road at LSU and Vanderbilt. They're still conference road wins, and they beat Texas A&M at home. It's a year where everyone in the country has shown warts, except for Purdue and Villanova. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Kentucky's warts are any worse than anybody else's. They only have Alabama once, and it's at home. They only have Auburn once. It's away. And they only have Missouri once, and it's at home. Michael Porter Jr. could be back. Mm. I think, Your Honor, it's much ado about nothing in Lexington. Your thoughts? Okay. I will go the other way for argument's sake. Here are the three points that will point to 
Kentucky being in trouble. Okay, so you're saying much ado about nothing. I'm gonna say, eh, let's be a little bit worried here. Let's let's scratch your head a little bit and let's let's uh, uh, maybe throw your hands up and be like, oh, I, I'm not sure about this one. You're you're accusing me of doing little ado about something. <laughs> right? That's a, that's an excellent wordplay right there. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I absolutely. We we should write that down and bring that back some other time. That that, that is amazing. Um, so here here's why it's a little bit. Here's why we need to worry just a little bit. Um, and then I'll I'll finish up by you know what I think my final tally will be with uh with, with Kentucky. One, where's the stud? Who's going to step up and be the guy? Last year they were lucky enough to have two of those guys that stepped up and said like yeah this is my show I'm running this show. Jump on board. Monk went off for 40 points. He went off for 30 points. He put on a display last year when they were in trouble and needed big baskets or needed a win. And he just decided, this is my game. I'm doing this. Fox did the same thing in the tournament. He went off for 39. Exact. They had two dudes. Who's the dude? That's not defined yet. It is still up for debate on who's the dude in this game. In this team, we've seen flashes from Knox. We've seen flashes from Washington. Uh, we've seen flashes from Hamadou Diallo. We've seen flashes from uh, Gilders Alexander for sure. Maybe even a couple of flashes from Nick Richards. But nobody has stepped up and said, I'm the dude. I'm the guy. Follow me. Hop on my back. I got this. People have tried. And you mentioned that Knox was one of 10. People have tried. But n- nobody's delivered yet for them. So I think that's a problem. Number two, you mentioned it in your rundown point guard situation. Coach Cal has always had a top-level point guard. When I say top-level, I mean lottery pick point guard. NBA player point guard. Played in the NBA the following year type point guard. Does he have it this year? Maybe it's Gilish Alexander. Maybe it's, maybe it's Quade. I don't know. I don't think that's defined either. So I think he's trying to figure out this offense without a top-level point guard. Think of Teague. Think of Wall. Uh, think of uh, uh, Rose back in the Memphis days. Maybe even throw in the Harrison Twins. Think of Tyler Eulis. He's had those type point guards where he didn't have to worry about it. Even Jamal Murray and Fox last year. He's had those type of guards that he's like, okay, yeah, I, I can give it to this guy and he can figure it out. And then number three, I don't know if they have that like difference-making big in the middle that and defend and alter a whole bunch of shots that he's had in the past with Noel and and Cat and Anthony Davis and uh, even last year Mo Bamba. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, um, uh, Bam Adebayo. I don't know if he has that guy on the roster either. So I think he has to figure out, and that's why we mentioned earlier: is he going to go to this positionless thing like SMU and Nevada has? So I think those are your three things that you need to worry about. One, who's the dude? Two. Are they going to figure out the point guard situation? Is one of those guys going to emerge as a stud? And number three, do they have a difference maker down low that can alter some shots and get some boards? I don't know. So, yeah, I think there is a little something to worry about in uh, Lexington. There's your defense. I actually believe my argument here. Okay. And everything you said is very valid. and right. makes total sense. And probably two weeks ago, I would have agreed with you. Okay. I did a lot of research on Kentucky. Cal has proven to me that he will find a way to make this right. Oh, yeah. 2011, they lose in the semifinal to Kentucky. 2012, they win the national championship. 
2014, they lose to Connecticut in the national championship. 2015, they lose to Wisconsin in the final four. They didn't lose a game the whole year. Right. Cat team undefeated going in, right? 2016, they lose to Indiana in the second round. Right. And last year, they lose in the Elite Eight. Everything you said is fair, but I think that in a season where everyone's got warts right now except for Villanova and Purdue, I think they will figure it out. And I will tell you this, my gut, in my heart, I saw something in Jared Vanderbilt last night. Mm. And I saw a guy who can make everybody better. The Gilgis Alexander coming off the bench thing when Quade Green comes back is an Mm -hmm. issue. I think that they're floor is still sweet 16 so i actually believe this one although i think you made some really good points i'm not saying that there's no other argument here there certainly is right but jared vanderbilt showed me something last night i saw some versatility and i go hmm all right and listen who's dominating out there right now i mean they play purdue tomorrow they lose right they play villanova tomorrow they lose right but outside of that uh, yeah you know, they, you, it's crazy that they could be florida that's crazy? It's not crazy. No, not, not crazy. Absolutely not, no. I would take Florida right now, but it's not crazy. Sure. So I'm actually going to agree with my argument here. So this one I'll agree with the other two I made up, but I think Kentucky <laughs> is a, a – we could do a whole podcast on Kentucky as well because yeah, it's fascinating. Totally could, yes, absolutely. You know, but well, I do listeners, think that- if, if you're interested in that, uh, Mike and I uh, later on in the season, we would love to – like if we're going to dedicate like a podcast to a team, uh, give us some ideas on that. Uh, at SDS Podcast on Twitter, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and – uh, you can email the show and give us some ideas as well. SDSpodcast at gmail.com if you're interested. We'd love to hear what you think, uh, what we should do for the podcast. If you're feeling like you sh- we should do a team-specific podcast, we're all for it. Yeah, and, and listen, tonight's been a great night, Gus. Uh, we had a nice Ohio State win covering the three points. Okay. Very nice. Nicely played <laughs> if gambling was legal. We had Creighton putting the four and a half to bed fairly early. <laughs> It's going to be a, a pretty good night here. Uh, what, what games are you looking at this weekend? Any, any big ones coming up here? Uh, well, I think we talked about one. I think we talked about the Gonzaga-St. Uh, Mary's game. I, I'm totally waiting to get my eyes on that. I can't. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the highlights of my week. I'm looking forward to staying up late for that. I, I, I think I'm kind of like fast-forwarding already to next week, and I'm looking forward to um, Kansas-Oklahoma. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that has to yep. be one that you're looking forward to. But just on the smaller scale, you know, like I like the the Friday night where, um, you know, the, the, the mid-majors have like a little uh, spotlight on them. So I'm looking yeah. forward to the Davidson-St. Bonnie's game. I think that's going to be pretty sick. I like that there's going to be like two possible player of the year types in that with Jalen Adams and Peyton Aldridge. Uh, yep. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, it, you know what's going to be interesting? I'm interested to see how Michigan State responds having the spotlight on them after uh, coming off a couple of uh, questionable games on Friday night against Indiana. I think that's going to be interesting. I may be the only one in the country who can't wait for Creighton at Providence. I want to see – I believe in Providence. I believe that Providence can get things going here and get on a nice run. I'm not saying they're winning the Big East. I'm not even saying they're in the top two. I'm not saying that. But I believe Providence can get going here. Creighton on the road. One of two things is going to happen. Either Providence is going to have beaten Xavier and Creighton at home or Creighton's going to win on the road to Providence after coming off this blasting of Seton Hall. Who's to say Creighton's not the second best team in the Big East? I don't think that's crazy. Uh, you know what? If I'm just, you know, gun to my head or, you know, you're forcing me to make a bet, I'm taking Creighton there. Creighton's looked really good, mm-hmm. although yep. Providence is very live in their building. That building, it does have a unique atmosphere. Uh, how about one more mid-major that I, I, I think it's worth paying attention to? Don't you feel like URI 
is due for one of these, like Wichita State, mm-hmm. Texas Tech. Crush UMass um, tonight. Yep. Took yeah. care of Pipkins tonight. Crush yeah. UMass. Guess where they have to go this weekend? Dayton. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I, I, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, you know, like I'm not pu- calling for the upset. That's, that's a, a game worth one. paying attention to. Dayton's that's played better one. as of late. Uh, that's one to pay attention to for sure. Does Iowa State get one of these games um, that I was calling for against Texas Tech? Does Texas Tech go on a slide after another road game? Iowa uh, State. Good one. Good one, too. Yeah. Hilton yeah. Magic there. Does Texas continue like its magical role against West Virginia? I, 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 you know, any, and, you know, of course we have to pay attention to Xavier Seton Hall, right? That's a big one, too. And don't forget, Saturday night, 7 p.m., Gus. Giddy pots at Western Kentucky. Ooh, that's a gigantic. <laughs> yeah, seven o'clock on Saturday. A great one. It's gonna be a really great one. Excellent. Do you, excellent. Do you, do you feel like Duke is in trouble playing Pitt this weekend? No. <laughs> everybody, everybody can have everybody can have the flu there. It's fine. I'm not touching that line again. No way. <laughs> uh, folks, listen. If you like what you hear, always appreciate five star ratings and reviews. Gus talked about it before. Randall Rant. We got articles and podcasts. At Randall Rant for, for my Twitter handle, at CKerns12 for his Twitter handle, and the podcast at SDS Podcast. We got emails coming in. We got some people we're going to give trivia uh, kudos to who got the trivia questions right. right. We'll give those out on uh, we'll give those out on the weekend podcast, the mid major podcast for sure. We got a couple of people. Thank you for chiming in. Awesome. We, we got our uh, we'll have the top twenty five out on Friday, and then I wait all week for it, and it never. Falls below expectations. Always exceed expectations. Gus's solo podcast on the mid-majors. It's the be- best mid-major podcast that you're going to hear anywhere. Oh, thank you. All right. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, uh, listeners, again, thank you for carving out some time for the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. We are so pleased that we're able to give you this content. And, uh, again, we're trying to give you as much content as we can during the week. So we decided to try to, you know, fabricate another podcast so you guys can put your ears on during the week. So we hope we help with, like, you know, a commute here or there, a train ride here or there, or maybe you're out running some errands. And also, we just want to throw this out there, too. Mike and I do our best to keep the podcast clean. So if you have like little ones in the car, you don't need to be scared that you're going to have to like fast forward through a part or turn down the volume. Like Mike and I do our best. Occasionally we do slip, but we try to keep it clean. So please, if you're in the car with the kitties and, and, and you have it like on and they're listening to this, like the, their own device, don't worry. Mike and I are trying to keep it clean and not slip up. So you're not in trouble there. So we're, we're looking out for, for the, the, the greater good of your college basketball life. That's a great point. In fact, what I do is when I get frustrated, I just use coaches and players' names. I don't actually use vulgarity. So, for example, like in front of your kids. Yes. Yeah, so, like, I, okay. I, I yeah, this is a great story. I said, uh, you, I said to my son, "Let's do the Bromnell." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." The Bromnell is where I lay on my back and lift him and do push-ups with him over and over again because I'm frustrated that somebody just lost. So I've used Brad Bromnell as my basic vulgarity word in my house. So Brad Bromnell has manifested itself into <laughs> yes. some sort of like curse word in your household. Gus came out tonight. He said, "Daddy, can we do the Bromnell?" Hey, yeah, let's do the problem. Now. That's All right. fantastic. All right. Oh, <laughs> baby. Keita Bates Diop at the Allstate Arena. Nice job there. Uh, way to cover. Uh, uh, listeners out there, cheers. Salancha. Gratulatia. And we're going to throw this one and add this one as well. Arigato. Ah, oh, very nice. Oh, Northwestern hasn't played a home game yet this year. Terrible.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.